fascinating gadgets. Gizmos. And gear based technologies. All right, welcome to the show. Of course, I am Daniel J. Glenn, your analytical mastermind, but everyone knows that. Right next to me is my favorite physicist, um, a genuine certified genius now, sci-fi superhero scientist, Dr. Michael Denon. Thanks for being on the show. Great to be here. And we have one of history's greatest rocket scientists, I believe, uh, that may not be at least the greatest that I could get on the show. Uh, and like all of them, he's a man of mystery. He works at an undisclosed location, can neither confirm nor deny his employer, and is probably paid through some black ops program. He is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, thanks for being on the program today. Great to be here, Dan. And rounding out this brain trust, we have Caltech's minis- uh, mistress of microbes. Can I say mistress? Is that all right? Is that, is that a bad word? Uh, I think that's all right. You're fine with it? Your miss, um, menace was fine, too. Menace, the menace mistress of <laughs> microbes, the baroness of bacterial biology, Dr. Brittany Needham. Brittany, thanks for being on the show today. Happy to be here. Um, love all that alliteration. So here's my question I'm going to pose to you guys today. If you could have one food last forever, that it never it never went away, uh, what would it be? Um, then I'm going to go with you on this one. What do you like? That's a tough one, Dan, because there's just a lot of good food out there. I agree. Um, I do remember watching a, a video where a kid had been asked, you know, if he could have one thing, what it would be. And he did say everlasting pizza. You just eat it and then a new slice appears. Um, That's mine. Which, which That's I, is not mine. I'm, I'm tempted by that. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to spoil. Uh, if I would known, I wouldn't have shared that story. It's Ben's gimmick to spoil my gimmick. You, can't, you both can't spoil my gimmick. <laughs> but um, I really would have to go with... Um, Freshly made Toll House chocolate chip cookies. Fresh, that's very specific. Very specific, yeah. It's just... You take a bite and it comes back. And you just... Well, I, I, I'm willing to eat the whole cookie and it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you know, it doesn't have to come back right away. But um, really, that I think... The, the problem is I would just sit there and keep eating that same cookie over and over again. And, sure. and then I would die very soon. Um, but that, that's where I'm going. Okay, that's fair enough. Ben, what about you? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> having eliminated pizza and cookies, yeah, we've, we've, we've broken pizza. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to come back to you? Or yeah, you? I, maybe. All right, you think about it. Brittany. Right. <laughs> Brittany, what do, you, what do you got? Well, I'm not a health nut, but I would go with fresh fruit, like bananas. I don't like them at all when they get even, well, probably what most people consider ripe. I like them a little bit green, but they quickly go to the dark brown I or just totally the really agree. too ripe. I want fruit that just stays at, at my perfect level of ripeness. Uh, you and I are simpatico. I totally agree with bananas. Um, obviously, that's not the one I'm going to choose, but I, I totally agree with you. There's a certain point when bananas become disgusting, and it happens way too quickly for me. Uh, I'm going with pizza. Uh, Denon ruined it for me. I, the everlasting slice of pizza. I love that idea. Um, because pizza, I could eat pizza... And I have, and special occasions. I could eat it every day. People don't really believe that, but I totally could. My grandmother used to buy, like, stacks of the, it was called Jack's Pizza. Um, I'm from Chicago, right? So it was very specific. They're made by Kraft, but you can't get them out here, which is weird to me. But they were really cheap pizzas. She'd get stacks of them, and I would eat one, like, every day. Like, I'd spend summers there and eat one every day. 
Um, and she always, of course, said I would turn into a pizza. It never happened, Grandma. I'm still a human being. But if I was on a deserted island, I would totally eat these, every, 100% eat it every day. Anyway, that's all I got. So being from Chicago, you're not going for the deep dish? I love deep dish pizza. I, want, I love stuffed pizza, which is better than deep dish, sure, I think. Yes. Um, but no, like I, I like it if I if I could any pizza, man. If we're really talking about this, any pizza is what I would go with. Um, I just realized, Ben. Thanks for speaking up. I didn't get your answer. What do you, <laughs> yeah. what do you want? So, food food's tough for me because I, I immediately think about health and that and how I can't eat the things I like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make this awkward. If it's awkward, yeah, we can move right but on. I, I think if I could just eat. I'm a big ramen fan, and I remember even as a kid, I'd eat those, you know, mm. horrible freeze-dried, I mean, not horrible, delicious. Horribly uh, delicious, yeah. Horribly delicious uh, freeze-dried, you know, Marushan ramen, or <laughs> Marochan, or however you're supposed to say it. Aren't those already everlasting? I mean, <laughs> I mean, in a way, they certainly sure. last forever. Yeah. Uh, I would eat those all the time, and now my palate's refined a little bit, and there's a there's a ramen place right down the street from me. Oh, uh, pardon me. Love going there. I'll, but... No, that's that's a good that's a good answer. I think yeah. I will tell you. I'm gonna tell you one other story that I thought was amazing. When I was in college, there was this guy that I knew, and he really he was into music. He wanted an amplifier, but he couldn't afford the amplifier. But he for some reason his parents gave him money every day for um, for like lunches or whatever. So what he did in order to save money for this amplifier is he ate ramen noodles every day because you could buy them for like 25 cents for 10 or so that's ridiculous like maybe a dollar 50 for 10 that's legitimate yeah. so he went out and he bought those ate it three times a day for a month and bought the amplifier and then immediately was admitted into the hospital because he had nutrient deficiencies like he risked his life and ended up paying more in the hospital bill than he did for the amplifier but i always respected his decision to do that because that's extreme i really i respected him for it <laughs> Anyway, what am I talking about here? Are we done with the show? No, we haven't even started yet. So w- the everlasting gobstopper is probably one of cinema's... Uh, it's the, the hardest nut to crack. People love this thing. Um, it's It's got a lot of really cool properties, and I think the idea of candy that lasts forever really appeals to people. So... I think we can crack this nut. I got a couple different options here. Uh, I'm going to keep them in my back pocket. Let's go. Um, I'm going to end with Brittany because I think she's got a lot of good things to say on it. Let's talk from a physics standpoint. Is anything everlasting possible? So, yes and no. Because um, I just like to be, you know. Yes and no. Yes and no on the fence in these things. Sure. You know, the, the standard thing you hear uh, about is how, you know, nothing can last forever. You can't have a perpetual motion machine. Um, and, and this is all true from the perspective of what I would call simple equilibrium thermodynamics, not to get too buzzwordy. Wow. Right. But this is, you know, systems that are isolated and do not have any source of energy or any other material coming in. They do go to states of what we call uh, you know, increasing entropy, which is that they wear down and they get used up and, and so on. So the only way to achieve this is to have what we would call in the physics language an active system where there's energy or material coming into it. And the nice thing is, and I'm going to leave all the biology for Brittany and the engineering of it to Ben, but the nice thing is there's lots of ways to put stuff into your everlasting gobstopper. At the very least, your mouth is constantly generating spit, not to be too disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are sources that can get used to power and perpetuate our everlasting gobstopper. So 
I would say physics, because we are an active system and we know how to put stuff in, does not rule out your everlasting gobstopper. Okay, that's fair. I mean, because I think you make a good point that people would think that it's not an active system. It's just, uh, you know, a piece of candy that doesn't end. Right. But we're going to change all that today. We are. Um, All right, Brittany, let's get into this, okay? Because I think you're going to be quintessential to this. Okay. I love the idea of an active system. What are some ways in which we could create this? I think bacteria is the key. Um, I think there's a lot of things in your mouth that can power this. Um, Let's give us some examples. Okay, so, well, you mentioned bacteria. Bacteria decorate their surfaces with all sorts of complex sugar molecules. Wait, hold on. They decorate their surfaces? Like yeah. They're, like they purpose, like blinging out? Well, yeah, if you, looked at, if you look at a microscopic level. But <laughs> yeah. they're doing it sometimes to evade the immune system or to mimic the immune system or to survive harsh environments. So they're doing it for a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of mechanisms have, Im- have evolved uh, that bacteria are doing this all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we just have a bacteria that is doing this with a sugar molecule that tastes good to us, then, then there we have the production of this sugar. And so you can engineer it to taste sugary or even like a strawberry. You can have poop out like strawberry flavoring if you wanted to. Sure, yeah, it's, it's just spitting out this, this molecule of flavor. Mm-hmm. And it can be sweet. You could potentially go all different directions with the flavor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just need a lattice, maybe kind of like a filter where the bacteria can't get out, but the molecules that they're producing do. And so they interact with your taste buds on your tongue. And bacteria don't live forever, but they could continually divide. And there are actually bacteria that, that make spores. So if, if the cell is going to die, it makes this spore inside of it. So then when the cell around it dies, the spore is left and it can survive being dried out. It can last for millions of years. And it's just this dormant seed, kind of, a bacteria seed. And then if it senses favorable conditions again, it starts growing again and becomes a bacteria. So that sort of cycle could happen in an everlasting sort of way and all these bacteria are trapped inside your gobstopper. So maybe inside your mouth, it senses a favorable condition and it starts producing these sugars and you taste it. But then when you take it out of your mouth, it it desiccates, it dries out, and then it makes spores and it just sits there until you're in the mood for it again and you eat it again. So it's kind of like yogurt in a way. It's this living culture of bacteria that you can dry out and keep sucking on and it tastes like strawberries, but doesn't get any smaller. Yeah, and as long as you figure out a way that your saliva produces food for it, then that could just happen forever. Or maybe you eat it, but then when you're done with it, you keep it in a solution. Mm. You have a little jar that you keep your gobstopper in and that's food for the bacteria, something like that. Woods, that's interesting because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anger a lot of our non-existent fans right now and say that in the in 2005 uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that's how they're produced is in some kind of weird solution. Uh, so there might be something to that. Now, I'm going to go to Ben here. Let's, let's, we got two things here. We're going to crack this nut. Sure. But I want to tell you, one of the key pieces to this, to the everlasting aspect of it, is it needs to be made out of a material that's not going to dissolve in your mouth. So that would be rubber or plastic or something like that. Sure. We got the bacteria filling. Um, and you can even use, if you need a power source, your jaws are chewing, you could chew on this thing like a rubber band um, or a rubber ball. How could this, how can we make this work? Well, I, the, the chewing action is an interesting way for to 
as an energy source for this thing. But the problem with anything that you can chew is it will eventually break down. Anything that squeezes and moves, as when you're doing that, for the most part, you know, every once in a while a bond is going to break in your rubber ball, and eventually it's going to degrade, and your and your bacteria colony is going to spill out, and your candy is going to stop <laughs> stop what? lasting forever. So I think it's more important actually to have something rigid like a hard candy where it's maybe like a ceramic matrix or a plastic matrix that you can just suck on. And as Brittany was saying, you have a filter that keeps the bacteria in but lets the flavors and the sugar out. So you think that's a real possibility? You can... Yes. So it's definitely reasonable to have materials that your body just can't break down. And you can get really fancy with it, like things like titanium. So we use titanium to replace parts of our skeleton when we break a bone. And we use titanium because it doesn't react with your body at all. Like your, your immune system doesn't see the titanium and ignores it. And mm. its surface doesn't corrode in the salty environment that is your bloodstream and your body. So you, can, you could even imagine making you know, like a, a titanium filter sphere that holds your bacteria. Titanium filter sphere. I like that. That's marketable, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can even go, gold does turn out to be very oh, yeah. compatible with your body. Right. So if you want to be a little more, I don't know what. You, you could have like a spec, you could buy the Neverlessing yep. Cup Stop or whatever. Oh, you, yeah. Well, the gold could be the blinged version that costs the, extra. Right. <laughs> but now, isn't this getting a little expensive, though? Because the whole point of the Everlasting Gobstopper is you can buy one of these things with pocket money, pocket change. Well, I think if we go back to the ceramic idea, you're yeah. okay, too. Um, and the nice thing about ceramics, I think, is there's a large space for material engineering the properties of it. Um, there, there are episodes on this show where we have discussed about self-healing materials. Mm -hmm. um, a person listening now may have listened to this or may listen to it in the or future. Should, right. right, either way. But, but that helps a little bit with the occasional stresses in your mouth. I mean, it's hard to tell a kid to only suck on it, not try and chew it. Um, so even a jawbreaker, even even jawbreakers, yeah. kids try to bite those. Yeah. Um, now you could have a disclaimer on your everlasting gobstopper that the warranty is null and void if you <laughs> chew on it. Uh, but but that sort of the the shell I think is is easy to do and make cheaper. I mean, there I, I like the idea of, of thinking about designing a bacteria that not only uses your saliva as as its food but is converting your saliva into the, the flavor and the sugar, mm -hmm. right? It's the source of, which I guess is the definition of the bacteria using it as your food, but. Right, um, but that's an active system that you want. And that's an active system that we want. We want the bacteria at the core of this. Well, what's kind of cool is that this has kind of inspired people to create things like this or to name things because there's a Japanese candy that's called the Untama Marble. And this is some, it's a, basically a sucker that can last for hours. Uh, fishermen would, would suck on them. It doesn't have any corn syrup. It doesn't melt at room temperature, which is why it can last so long. I guess similar to like how an M&M is supposed to melt in your mouth, not in your hand kind of a deal. Right. Um, so, so that's really cool that people are using that. There's also the gobstopper tree in the Congo, and chimpanzees will eat these things, and it takes forever for them to kind of get through it. So that's kind of this whole everlasting idea kind of came with that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your minds with with what I'm about to say. I hope maybe you've heard it before because I've probably told you before. But for everyone listening, I'm gonna blow the people's minds who are listening to this right now. What if instead of like a bacteria culture, what if it is like a, a snail-like creature that can actually create a shell 
um, what I'm going to dub a stuck suckable snail. We're talking about marketing, Dan, and suckable snail. I think I can sell that to people. Um, would this work? Could you, if you didn't chew on it, uh, <laughs> obviously, could could this work? Brittany, I'm looking at you. Um, is this possible to genetically engineer a sa- snail that tasted great, would regenerate its shell, um, but of course you would be dissolving the shell, and that way you could kind of engineer different flavors into the layers of shell. So I think... Um, is this possible? So you're imagining, I'm just thinking of the logistics. The snail is scared when it goes in your mouth, so it's inside the shell while you're sucking on it? Yeah, wouldn't you be scared if you're walking into some well, giant smile? I'm just imagining the snail on my tongue, and <laughs> if I'm going to want that candy to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the shell form. It's in like a nautilus shell kind of. But sure, yeah, I think you could engineer the snail to incorporate something that would taste sweet into its shell when it was making it. You think or you know? I want definitive answers. I'm not. I'm not up on my snail genetics. On, oh. I mean, maybe right. it's going to take a few years to develop snails as a, a model tool for genetic system. <laughs> but, um, you know, we yeah. we can genetically engineer. We, as like general scientist term, um, yeah. can engineer most organisms these days. So. So you could make a suckable snail, TM. So I have a question. Yeah. Does this involve suckable snails? Yes, maybe, sort of. What you made me think of, Dan, with the shell, Mm -hmm. I I also wonder, right, because basically whether you're tasting something sweet or a particular flavor is the molecule and how it interacts with your taste buds. Yes, correct. And we have lots of stuff floating around in our mouth and our saliva. So I'm wondering, I mean, the average person may, though the bacteria... Is makes perfect sense, and bacteria is a word we use for a w- whole wide range of organisms, just not, w- not just ones that make you sick. Mm-hmm. I could imagine, look, humans couldn't handle the fact that magnetic resonance imaging was first invented as nuclear magnetic resonance imaging, and we had to get the word nuclear off of it because they were afraid of it. Sure. Um, so if, if there's any hint that there's either bacteria or snails going into your mouth, this could cause trouble unless you happen to be an escargot fan. Right. Um, But I could imagine just sort of an enzymatic object that converts the molecules already in your mouth into molecules that taste good. Like that fruit that tricks your tongue into tasting different things. Yeah, miracle fruit. Miracle fruit. So I'm I'm wondering if that's like from a marketing point of view, and, and enzymes by definition are not used up in a chemical reaction. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you could design a a ceramic core or gold core coated with the right enzymatic molecules that as you roll it around in your mouth, it converts what's in your mouth directly into something that has a flavor. I'm, I don't know. So you're, This is chemistry, and that's really hard. I don't like chemistry. I just do physics. Well, now, hold on a second. So you're basically, you're trying to cut out the bacteria from this equation, the, the bacteria core, which has been essential to our design from the beginning. You want to cut bacteria well, out. Well, I, I want to do what, what, we, what I've done in other materials situations like spider silk is steal from the bacteria. Uh-huh. Like the bacteria knows how to turn molecule X into molecule Y that tastes good. Yes. So I want to just take that chemical mechanism that the bacteria uses, steal that mechanism and put it on my ceramic shell. Decorate ceramic the way the bacteria decorates itself with sugar. That's a great argument though, but Brittany, I hope you're taking offense to this. Absolute. No, that's what humans are best at, exploiting biological systems for our own Go Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. 
So do you think that's a good idea then? Do you think this will work? Is this feasible? Yeah, having some sort of marble or something that is coated. So if you coat the marble with a sugar, or you even make the marble out of something that tastes good, like Ben was saying, it eventually will still break down, even if it's a really long time. So I, I don't know if we're talking about an everlasting, like truly never break down gobstopper, then you would want it to be coated in something like an enzyme that is converting something that's already in your mouth into something that tastes good. So whether it's tricking, maybe it binds your taste buds and it doesn't actually taste good, but it binds it in a way that makes you think it does. Maybe it's turning it into a neuroactive molecule that tricks your brain into thinking you're eating something that tastes good. Um, yeah, hmm. so. Well, you know, I, I've already, uh, some other things we've talked about, we talk about the marketing ploy. Everlasting Gobstopper is a great idea. Obviously, the current Everlasting Gobstopper doesn't last forever, not even close to it, so that's a marketing ploy. But I really think we've got the technological know-how to be able to create, genuinely create, a piece of candy that will, in fact, last forever. I'm going with that. Oh, yeah, we definitely do. And then it's just a question of which of the ones you want to market, the snail, the bacteria, or the ceramic sphere. Well, that's an easy answer for me. I understand. Um, it's but the I, snail, right? It's All the three. Snail. Yeah, it's, of course it's the, it's the snail. Because you can keep it as a pet. He doesn't have to, like, because you're not drying them out. Like, I feel like the bacteria just gets so used. Or we've, like, enslaved the bacteria. Whereas, like, the, the snail's like our buddy. Just, hey, come on in, you know. So is it everlasting because that snail has offspring snails and then that's how it's because the snail is going to die eventually. I'm sorry to break it to you. I don't, I don't want to emotionally eventually handle that. Eventually your snail pet is going to die. I so. don't want to emotionally embrace that right now. So yeah, well, the generations of snails before. Snail All right, family. so that's fair. So okay, so no, that's a good point. You know, I, I, I respect that. So the suckable snail can't count for a true everlasting gobstopper, however cool and probably the most plausible explanation we've given so far, if I'm going to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. So, so, let's, so let me just see if I've got this correct. We have either a titanium, gold, or ceramic candy and inside are highly tuned um, bacteria that can or and, and the surface can be coated in an enzyme that will convert flavor the the inside of the of the the candy has a bacteria that will produce whatever flavor you want or different flavors and it will in fact last forever because our mouth will not break it down does that sound like something we can produce is that right we're going with that yeah, yeah. are we well okay. i have one more problem if we I want so. another one yeah i'd love another problem so, so we use bacteria to engineer and spit out things all the time but we're then purifying that thing because bacteria are also going to be producing many other byproducts that oh, may I be see. harmful some of them may not be harmful but they're going to taste gross they're going to be acidic it's just mm. so Either your flavor has to be so potent that it masks any byproduct that doesn't taste good, mm -hmm. or maybe you do the bacteria that's producing it, and then the coated shell is tricking your taste buds into not tasting the, the negative byproducts. Or maybe you soak your gobstopper in a solution that clears out the bad byproducts, Got and it. then when you eat it, you can only suck on it for an hour before it maybe it tastes a little rancid. So it lasts forever, but the flavor needs to be recharged. Yeah, maybe that. So maybe that's the hiccup. So is that gen is that fanciful that what you're telling me, or is this possible? No, I think that's possible, but it's definitely going to be a problem that the bacteria are going to be making things that you won't, not gonna like. won't like. Uh, I think we incorporate the uh, miracle fruit idea in here, and I think we've got this problem solved. Um, I'm not going to ask again. I'm just going to say we've solved this problem. So, um, right. so I think another another technological problem thrown our way, and the brain trust has figured it out. Um, if you have anything else to add to this, get in touch with us. Social media, Denon. How can people get in touch? With um, you? I'm on Twitter at Denon Michael. 
And then I'm on Facebook at Prof, P-R-O-F, Denon Michael. Is Prof your first name or is it for professor? That's just for professor. Got it. Um, ben, how about you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at B Seepser. That's B S I E P S E R. And um, Biddy, how about you? <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Biddy383, or uh, my email is bneedham at caltech.edu. And I am on Facebook at, at Analytical Mastermind, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn. Um, guys, thanks for this. This has been educational. Great. Thank you. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production, and it's produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and please check out all of my projects on DanielJGlenn.com. Thank you.